the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But when we start saying, yes, God, you're present. Yes, God, you provide. Yes, God, you save. But you know what? If I could only get this, I just need this. I just want more. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. study of both American and world history is an integral part of every child's education. And it's not just out of curiosity. It's not just to learn fun facts. As you probably recall from your own history teacher telling you, it's so we learn from their mistakes, so we don't repeat them, so there is no World War III, so there is not another Holocaust or Hitler. Although our influence in such things is limited when it comes to a national and especially a global scale, we have immense, great influence on our own lives on a personal level. And just as the mistakes of the past help us understand and avoid wars and evil regimes, so too the mistakes of the past help us understand and avoid sin and evil temptations. Today we begin a section of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that serves as a history lesson for that very purpose, to show us the mistakes of God's people Israel in the past for the purpose of warning us, God's people today, the church. We start this morning with verses 1 through 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 which Paul shows us that our spiritual and physical privilege as Christians are the same as ancient Israel. And all of this comes as a warning. Just as they had great privilege and advantage, they still fell into idolatry and rejection of their Lord. So too we can fall into sin and in small ways reject our Lord in our decisions that we make. It is a history lesson so that we can learn from the past. We can learn from our forefathers. We can learn from the Israelites. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10 and read along as I read verses 1 through 4. Paul writes, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. The advantages that we have today are parallel with Israel. And this morning I want to give you that very truth. Five 
parallel advantages or privileges between Christians and Israel. And again, these parallels serve as a backdrop for the warning that just like Israel, we too can fall into the sins that destroyed them. For despite these privileges, they still chose idolatry and disobedience over the worship of the one true God. The first parallel advantage is spiritual progeny. Spiritual progeny. Look at the beginning of verse 1 again. He writes, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers... And we'll stop there. He begins with this connective word, for. It shows us he's still on the same topic, the same topic of preferring others and thereby giving up your Christian liberty out of love, love for the brethren because of your love for God. More specifically, as we saw last week, this involves great discipline such that an athlete competing for the gold would exert. And this is what he's connecting to. Be disciplined, my friends. Be disciplined. And he says, I don't want you to be unaware. I want you to remember that our fathers. This is important because what we will see is an idolatry of the Israelites that led to their destruction. In the same way we are warned about our tendency to prefer what we want over what is best for others or what blesses the church, what honors God. Without self-control, we may end up being disqualified as the Israelites were, as Paul fears, as we saw last week. Now, Paul refers to the ancient Jews as our fathers, as they are indeed our spiritual forefathers. Simply another way of saying they are our spiritual ancestors. They came before us. We are in their lineage Not by blood, not for most of us. We are not ethnically Jews, but by spiritual character and God-given privilege. If you go all the way back to Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham that promises him that the people of God will come forth from his seed. This starts with ethnic Israel, the Israelites, the Jews. And though for the most part we are not Jews, Abraham becomes our forefather in our unity in Christ. The entirety of Romans chapter 4 speaks of Abraham as the forefather of believing Jews and Gentiles, that is non-Jews, because of his faith that was credited to him as righteousness. Romans 4 also points out that all of this happened before he was circumcised. Circumcision being the distinguishing marker of the Jews or those of the law and those who are not Jews. The uncircumcision, the Gentiles. And so it is important in God's plan that all of these promises came before he was even circumcised. A clue, if you will, that he will be the forerunner not just of those who are racially Jews, but also those who are spiritual Israel Christians, the church. It's not only the same faith that we share with Abraham, but also that he was declared righteous prior to a circumcision, which makes him our forefather as well. As such, his physical seed, the Israelites, became our forefathers. They were in that lineage of Abraham. And the specific group that Paul is addressing here in our passage this morning refers to and also desires us to learn from 
or that specific group of Israelites that were delivered from enslavement under Pharaoh, the Egyptian Pharaoh, and led through the wilderness for 40 years. And as we will see next week, and as you well know, that those people did not make it to the promised land. They were all killed by God because of their idolatry. This is the warning. The fact that we are their spiritual progeny provides us great benefit. We are God's chosen people. Grafted in, yes, but still God's chosen people. We are those whom God saves. We are those whom God grants immense advantage and privilege akin to the ancient Israelites. We are saved. We are His. We are the children of God. We are the spiritual progeny of the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness. That first point really sets up the four following parallel advantages. Let me give you a second, which is steadfast presence. Still in verse 1, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers, what? Were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. At the end of Exodus chapter 13, when Israel fled Egypt, you remember that the Lord led them by going before them in a pillar of cloud during the day which became a pillar of fire at night so it could be seen, the cloud directed them. They followed it. It told them where to go. Later on, in the midst of the wilderness, they, did, they would camp. They would set up their tents. This was a lot of people. By most estimations, over 2 million people. If you look at the censuses in right before and after the majority of the wandering, speaks of men. And so you have to add wives, women, and children. So around 2.4 million is the going estimate that was sustained through the wilderness. And you see they would pitch their tents. This was no small feat. They all had their tents rolled up. They would carry them with them, and they would pitch them, and then the cloud would stay there. And they wouldn't know how long they would stay in that specific place. But when the cloud started moving, up came come the tent pegs, roll up the tents, and then they start moving. They just followed the cloud during the day and the fire at night. This is what he's talking about. Then beginning of chapter 14 in Exodus, we read that the Lord once again hardened Pharaoh's heart one last time, and he decided to chase after the Israelites, not just with a bunch of servants, but with his army, with his horses and chariots. Eventually, Israel follows the cloud to the shores of the Red Sea. They were stuck. Nowhere to go. Even then, they said, is this why you led us out, Moses? Is this why the Lord led us out? So we could be pinned, large body of water, uncrossable in front of us, those who want to kill us and enslave us again behind us? This is it? To die here at the shores of the sea? But as we know, God saves them. Passing through the sea, here in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 10 is a reference to the Israelites crossing the Red Sea on dry land that you can read about in Exodus 14. And that was God's plan all along. It wasn't a mistake. Oh, whoops, wrong turn. Here we are at a body of water. What do I do now? This was the plan. To show Israel and the world not only His power, 
but his commitment and love to his chosen people. That's so important as we look at advantages that Israel and we as the church have. His commitment and love to his chosen people. He parts the waters and all the Israelites pass through the sea on dry land. Both the cloud and the miracle at the Red Sea were signs of God's presence with them. His steadfast presence. What Paul is saying, what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is that this is a privilege that they have and that we have as well. Though not as dramatic as for the Israelites and the cloud and the sea, God is equally present with us all the time, with you as an individual. And what Paul is talking about here back in 1 Corinthians 10 is a continuity, a continuity of God's faithfulness. The reality is that it's not because of us. It's not because we deserve it. It is because of the faithful character of God. It's simply who He is. You've experienced this in people. And do you know this guy? He did it. He's so nice. And you say, yeah, he always does stuff like that. That's just who he is. This is God. It's who he is to be faithful to his people, to love his people. No matter how you may feel at certain times and difficult trials, while you're sitting in the hospital room or kneeling in front of a toilet throwing up, whatever it may be. Sometimes we may not feel like He's with us, but He's with you. He's always with you. It is a privilege we have as His people. Now back in verse 1, Paul emphasizes that the community as a whole received this, just as the community of the church as a whole receives this. He says, all were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Not just Moses and Aaron, all of them. All of them. Obedient or disobedient, they were all being led. Obedient or disobedient, even the ones who cried out at the shores of the Red Sea, oh, is this it? We're going to die, Moses? What have you done? Even those were led by the cloud and passed through the sea. God was with them. In the same way, all Christians, all believers have the Lord with them. He is with you. No matter your feelings, no matter your situation, no matter your circumstances, no matter how many hours you have left to live. He is with you. I could go on. No matter the bad news from the doctor, no matter the bad news from mom, God is with you. No matter the physical pain, the emotional pain, God is with you. He is with you. It's a very simple concept. We're familiar with it. We know it. We sometimes forget it because we let our feelings get the best of us. God is with you. And my question this morning for you is what are you going to do with that information? Okay, yeah, thank you, God. I know, but, you know, i got to muscle through everything anyways. What are you going to do with that information? How does that change your life? How does that change how you listen right now compared to how you were listening 30 seconds ago? How does that change when you walk into work or zoom into work tomorrow morning? How does that change when you go in for chemotherapy on Wednesday. God is with you. What are you going to do with that information? Back when I took the classroom portion of driver's ed, I was in a small room, just enough room for the the students, a TV, and then room for the teacher. That was it. It was very small. As I would imagine it is today, there was a certain number of classroom hours required by the state that you have to sit there and listen and be taught by this individual. So there was a time clock. 
and not just a clock, a time clock, where we would have these timesheets and we would literally need to punch in so that they could make sure we were there for the required amount of time. It's like what you would see at a factory, right? People lining up, clock in, clock out. There's a literal stamp that goes in. I don't know if you've ever been around one of these, but those clocks, they're really loud. Not just when you clock in or clock out. Every time that a minute ticks by, that the minute hand goes, it is accompanied by a loud thump. Because it's not like our clocks where it just needs to tick. It also is moving, I'm assuming, that physical stamp inside, so it thunks every single minute. And it's heavy and it's locked to obviously prevent people tampering with it to put in more hours than they actually worked. One of the first things the teacher said is, the clock is really loud, but don't worry. You'll get used to it, and pretty soon you won't even hear it. It was loud. I mean, you see these in giant factories, noisy factories. We were in a quiet, small classroom. Sure enough, within an hour, our brains started to tune it out. It was so regular and consistent, we didn't hear that every minute thunking anymore. You've experienced this with other things. Your brain just adjusts, tunes it out. You know, we can often view God like that. He's always there. His presence is so consistent that on the one hand, you can acknowledge this fact, like that time clock or even like a small child who knows his parent is in the room, still doubts and fears and disobeys because the constant presence of that parent It's no different than the constant presence of a roof over their head. It's just there. You get used to it. You take it for granted. You don't think about it. It doesn't change your life. And if you're wondering, well, does this ever happen to me? Yes, if you've ever sinned. You know theologically and biblically that God is there watching you, and yet you choose to sin. You choose to raise your voice, you choose to look, you choose to log in, you choose to lie, whatever. And yet you know God is there. Sometimes we're so aware of God's presence that we're asking for forgiveness as we're choosing to sin, knowing that we're about to do it anyway. We just get used to it like that time clock. Tune them out. Or on the other hand, you can recognize His constant presence and worship Him for it. Respond through reverent obedience and godly fear. What's your choice? We are actually, in some ways, at a major disadvantage compared to the Israelites. They had a literal, this was not figurative, they had a literal cloud, a literal pillar of fire at night. Some of them probably had to close their tents tighter because the light from the fire was keeping them up. He was constantly there in a physical form. They watched as 60,000 cubic miles of water was parted so they could walk through, and yet they still turned away from God. The reason I say we're at a disadvantage is because He doesn't do that for the most part for us. We don't get tempted to sin and say, ooh, forgot about that huge pillar of fire. But we know He's there. 
And so we must discipline ourselves, as we saw last week. We must excel still more. We must be cognizant constantly, not only of His presence, but of His character and who He is. His steadfast presence is a blessing. But here, we must be warned from the life and example of the Israelites. Let me give you a third parallel advantage between Christians and Israel. Salvific protector. In verse 2, it says, And all, speaking of all the Israelites in the wilderness, were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. God's presence for His people also meant that He was protecting them. We see this throughout His provision in the wilderness. You definitely see this in the crossing of the sea. And the key here in this verse is Israel was, quote, baptized into Moses. Today, baptism is a ceremony that shows our identification with Christ. For the Israelites, Paul is talking about their identification with Moses as the Lord's appointed leader over them. That's all that means. And just as baptism in the church age represents a solidarity between the believer and the Lord, so there was a solidarity between the people of Israel and Moses only because he was God's representative and chosen person. He was akin to Christ for them. Our baptism is in a body of water that identifies us with Christ and his lordship over us. Their baptism baptism was in following the cloud and passing through the sea that identified them with Moses and his leadership over them. Because you saw that even back in the Red Sea, remember? He, d- he tells Moses, I'm going to do this, but he still has Moses use his staff to part the sea. Was it Moses who parted the sea? No, it was God. But he still had Moses do that as his representative, as their leader. And the word baptized highlights the redemptive aspect of all this. They were saved from death. They were saved from Israel. They were pulled out. You understand, this is a foreshadowing of salvation for the believer. The object of the baptism, the Israelites, highlights their participation in this redemption. And in both their baptism into Moses and our baptism into Christ, there is an affirmation of deliverance and redemption. They were delivered from Egypt. We are delivered from sin and its consequences. They from Egypt and slavery, us from sin and damnation. And just as Israel was the precursor for us, so Moses was the precursor of Christ. Here's the point. God is so generous, so generous with His grace that all of His people participate in the privileges and blessings of being His called and chosen. All of us. Yet despite this otherworldly, supernatural level of divine generosity, not all in the church will apply God's gifts or exercise the self-discipline that we spoke of last week. And so, like the Israelites, they will not safely pass through the wilderness. They will be disqualified. Again, not losing salvation, but losing reward, loss of influence for the gospel in this place. 
Our journey is not a literal wilderness, but a life of temptation, but also a life of service opportunities. We have all thought or referred to this life as a wilderness at times, have we not? It is hard. It is difficult. Now, whether you have today at this moment been physically baptized or not, as a Christian, you have been baptized into the Lord at the moment of salvation. And as such, you have been given His protection. You have been given His guidance. You have been blessed immeasurably with opportunities and abilities. He is your salvific protector. And with all of those blessings, with all of those opportunities, with all of those abilities, and quite practically speaking, with all of your fingers, with your tongue, with your eyes, with your ears, with your feet, with your physical bodies, will you choose the way of the Israelites and squander them to your own doom and the hurt of the church and unbelievers around you? Or will you apply these truths and live a life of holiness in honor of the Lord, your Lord? Learn from Israel. They were part of the miracle, and yet they still said, we want more. Better food, more food. Grumble, grumble, grumble. We've got to be careful, friends. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.